Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. This week, just a few days ago, I was having a pretty great moment. I had gotten home from work, got into comfy clothes, and was on our couch playing with our daughter. And I was making her smile and laugh, and I'd lift her above my head and make little sounds, and each time, laughter and giggles and smiles. It was one of those moments, it's like a, a hallmark moment, something you wish you could just stay in forever. It makes you feel like you're, you're doing something right, like this is exactly where you're supposed to be. Until reality hits, and you realize you may have lifted her over your head one too many times, and I receive much more than a smile in return. There are no shortage of those sorts of moments with an infant at home. Those times when she cuddles into you ready to take a nap or laughs or smiles. But there's also just moments. And there are other sorts of moments as well. Sleepless nights, cries to let you know she is awake, and even if you have too much fun, she lets you know that her stomach doesn't feel so great today. Today in the Gospel reading from Luke chapter 9, Peter has a pretty great moment. He witnesses as part of a moment that he wants to stay in, a moment he wants to preserve, to extend, to make it last longer than just be a momentary event. This weekend, we celebrate the transfiguration of our Lord. When Jesus took three disciples, only three disciples, Peter, James, and John, up upon a mountain. And if God's going to do something big, it's a good bet he's going to do it on a mountain. And as Jesus is praying there, the disciples are heavy with sleep, and yet his face becomes altered. His clothes become dazzling white as if lightning flashes from them. And even Moses and Elijah appear there with Jesus in glory. And Peter sees this moment now fully awake, and he wants to make it last. He says, it is good, Lord, that we are here. Let me make you a tent. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. It's amazing the transformation that Peter has in just four short verses in Luke. For it was just a couple weeks ago, when confronted with the power and, and the glory and the might of what Jesus is able to do, that Peter has a wholly different reaction. <laughs> and that miraculous catch of fish that we read of just three weeks ago, Peter says, depart from me, for I am sinful. On the boat, it's depart from me, for I am sinful. And now on this mountain, just four chapters later, it is good to be here. It is good to witness this glory. It is good to be here in this moment. And in one sense, Peter is absolutely correct. It was good that they got to witness this. It was good that James and John and Peter followed Jesus up the mountain. It was good that they saw not only Moses and Elijah, but Jesus in glory for but a moment before them. But there is a little bit of irony and what Peter says, that it is good that we are here. See, Peter wants to preserve this moment, preserve this glory, stay on the mountain. And yet, the moment comes to an end. And I reflect back on my life, and I have a lot of sympathy for Peter, wanting to stay in that great 
moment, those moments we do rightfully cherish. But Peter, in one sense, has failed to really pay attention as to what's going on. He's failed to do the very thing that the voice from the cloud would instruct him to do a few minutes after his attempt to get them to stay. He's failed to listen to the Son of God, God's chosen one, God's anointed one. See, Moses and Elijah and Jesus, in the Greek, it's a little bit more clear in the, than in the English, but their conversation is not a hush-hush conversation. It's not a secret of one where they're huddled in a corner hiding it from the disciples. No, it's an, it's an open conversation. And we're even told in the Gospel of Luke exactly what they're talking about. His departure. Uh, something that Moses in particular knew something about. For the Greek word in this case for departure is one Moses would be very familiar with. An exodon, an exodus. An exodus that Jesus was getting ready to fulfill in Jerusalem. An exodus that comes down from this Mount of Transfiguration and goes to a different mountain. An exodus that wouldn't exactly look so glorious in the moment. An exodus that would be much more difficult for Peter to accept was reality. An exodus that looks a little bit more like the verses that immediately precede our text from Luke 9, where Jesus says to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of his Father. In that moment on the mountain, it must have seemed like an impossibility for Peter to think that he'd ever be ashamed to be a follower of Jesus. It must have seemed like an impossibility that there would ever be a doubt in his mind as to just who this Master, this rabbi, his leader, his friend, this Jesus guy really was. After all, he has seen his glory, even if it was but for a moment. And yet it is that exodus, that departure, that would be so tough for Peter to accept that he would, in fact, be ashamed to follow the Son of Man because that exodus led to Calvary. And on that day, it didn't seem quite so good to be there. On that day, it didn't seem quite so good to be a follower of Jesus. That this same man who he saw his face altered and his clothes dazzling white, on that day would also have his face altered, but not in glory, but in agony, in pain, in bloodshed. See, this moment is just that, a moment. They come down from the mountain. But when you hear about what they are talking about on the mountain, when you hear Jesus' own words, he makes it clear that the true glory, the full glory and goodness of what I came to do is what Moses and Elijah knew very, very well. That the same Lord who took his people out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, would be the same God who threw his son on the cross 
would take his people out of a very dark land indeed, out of their slavery to sin. This moment of transfiguration is a revelation of Christ's glory. But it's not glory that stays up on a mountain, but glory that in his death and in his resurrection and in his ascension is a glory that he came to bring to you and me. Is a glory that doesn't stay foreign from our knowledge, but a glory that he freely gives to us, gives to us through his great sacrifice. A glory that is great and yet allowed himself to be mocked and beaten. A glory that is immortal and yet hung dead on a cross. All for the poor and broken sinners of this earth, all for you and for me. I have to admit, this is one of those instances where I feel like I'd been very much like Peter on that mountain, saying, why don't we just stay here? This is great. This is incredible. I wonder how, much of, how many of us would have been like Peter on that other mountain, seeing the persecution and the torture that he endured, how many of us would not be tempted at least to have that same response? I don't know him. I don't stay close with him. And yet we are reminded that the glory of Christ does not stay on a cross. The glory of Christ rises from the dead. The glory of Christ doesn't stay on a mountain, but is instead enthroned at the right hand of God the Father, and he will come again to judge both the living and the dead. It is a glory that in our baptism, in our faith, in the promises which God provides on this earth, we know but a glimpse of. John, one of the disciples who went up on that mountain, would describe it in 1 John as, we are God's children now, and yet what we will be has not yet appeared. And in that reminder, we are reminded that it is glory that comes to us. But it is glory that will be and is fully revealed to us on that glorious day in which we shall dwell in his nearer presence forever and ever. Amen. Now may the peace of Christ, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.